I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi. Hello. Welcome back to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics from the late 90s and early 2000s. I am one of your hosts, Margot Poupard. And I'm your other host, Emily Beijing. It has been a while. I'm really glad I was able to get that in one take because I was like, wow, I, I think the last time we recorded was in December and it, it is presently December. February. Six, and months, you six know, nine months later. <laughs> yeah, I don't even, on the 500th day of March, I'm not really sure. But you know, every time we come back from a long break, I have to take that at least twice. But we are not here for a long time. No, no. Our next season, our fifth season, will be dropping, if people still say that. But I know that Queen of Jordan definitely says that. Um, (laughs) Our next season will be dropping in March, the day after St. Patrick's Day. Um, So we're just back for a short time. But since... This is the first episode we're doing of 2021. Happy New Year. If I mean, it, I don't know yeah. if who gives a shit. There are no rules. We can still wish you Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And so I just got to ask, Emmeline, how's it going? What's your vibe like? How, how's 2021 going for you so far? Wow. Um, well, <laughs> uh, Pisces season is coming very soon, which is great. Oh, God, yeah, it's her birthday. She's coming into her my- power. I'm coming into my power and I got to do some crying. Like, let's be honest, like water sign season is approaching us. I feel like I just need to do some, it's like house cleaning at this point. Like, you know, you, you do a sweep, you do a spring cleaning, if you will. I need to do a spring cleaning with my emotions. So I, I, I can't wait for Pisces season. How are you doing? Oh, you know, just L I V I ending. <laughs> All right. Barely. McConaughey. Yeah, I don't know, dude. It's fine. I haven't seen anybody for a month and I'm just chilling in my apartment. So, you know, but we're getting together. So my my vibe is up. You know, I feel yeah. like being productive and not just, you know, rewatching old episodes of Housewives, which is really what is bringing us here today. We wanted to do a quick little reality show check in just because, you know, I love to use reality TV as an escape. And I have to say, you know, one of these shows definitely took me there. And the other show we're going to talk about is only reinforcing how depressing a time we're currently living in. Like, sure, you know, they might be trapped somewhere else, but their somewhere else is feeling just as oppressive as my own apartment. And um, to borrow Valerie Cherish's term, I don't want to see that. So, uh (laughs) I'm very happy to have finally, after all of these years, pulled Emily to the side of Housewives because we got a premiere so powerful that, I mean, I already have two pieces of merch based on quotes. Uh, We watched the entirety (laughs) of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, which was fantastic. I wore my uh, physically a dream, emotionally total mess sweater just for us to do this recap. That's amazing. And I have to say, as you pointed out, 
I'm very happy to be a part of this side of the world at this point. And for those of you listening who have never done a Housewives franchise, I cannot stress this enough. This is your gateway like franchise to go on in on. It's great. I think there's great character development, <laughs> if you can call it that. Um, but yeah, just cannot say enough good things about this season. I would also have to say, I mean, I know that we're just going to stick to Salt Lake, but I'd also have to say if you want to start a franchise that doesn't have very many seasons, but has a lot of great drama, also watch Potomac because they all, I would say that the current seasons that are happening, like OC just wrapped up. That was a whole ass mess. That also was like filmed mid pandemic. Like that was a lot. We're in Atlanta right now where like the PPE is all over the place. And truly, this is not the fantasy. I also don't want to hear about Cynthia's fucking COVID spreader of a goddamn wedding. I, I can't with all of that. Dallas, I refuse to watch. Um, and then Jersey's about to come back, but that's, I mean, it looks slightly more controlled. Like really, you just got to stick all these people like in a vacation home, like summer house is doing and have them go at it. But if you want to escape to the fantasy, which I think that Salt Lake, albeit, you know, um, I don't really know how to describe it, but like, it's not the type of like opulence that you would expect from like a Beverly Hills or even like a New York, No, but there is something, I think being in a different, like a place that I would never think to visit. I'm not a big ski, like snow winter sport kind of gal. I'm not really like a sport gal, if you will, but especially not winter ones. So it was just like a culture too that I I, haven't really experienced. I agree. And I think what was helpful about this is a lot of people went in with not high expectations because people thought, Mm -hmm. oh, Salt Lake City, like this isn't going to be very exciting. And they got together such a good group of women for this um, that it just surpassed all expectations. I will say about Potomac, it's funny you bring that up because my best friend, Sarah, said the same thing about Potomac. She's one of our longtime listeners. Uh, She um, completely agrees with you and has stressed multiple times to me that I should, my next one should be Potomac. Yeah, couldn't recommend it more. The first season, I mean, you can kind of like fast forward through a lot of it, but season two, it really starts to pick up. They are extremely entertaining. They're very funny. I love, I just, I love Potomac. It's like right up there with New York, which is my all time favorite. But New York has, 12 seasons maybe I don't remember but it's more than 10 and I understand if not everyone wants to embark on that journey but I I would also recommend New York anyway Salt Lake City I have to say I was also not very excited when they announced it at BravoCon RIP BravoCon because I just assumed and in a little bit of a way I was proved right but she did get bumped down Um, When they announced Salt Lake, of course, like Bravo people, they should be in charge of the vaccine rollout because they're absolutely bananas. Like the amount of digging and Googling that they can do and dig up answers that you would. I mean, I have no idea. They should work for the FBI, too. So they found out that one of the housewives they had picked was the girl who shows up in the first episode is like, happy birthday to you. She is like a QAnon Republican person. And was there at the the uh, on the insurrection. She was there. Exactly. Yes. And so when I found out about that back in November 2019, <laughs> um, what a time to have been alive, uh, I was like, I'm not going to fucking watch this. But as news slowly started to come in that she wasn't going to be a part of it, that there was Heather and Jen and uh, I think maybe, well, Heather and Jen, definitely. And then, of course... Sister Mary Crosby, which like we will fully get into oh, all that. And she, if there's one thing that you've heard about this show, you have heard about the woman who is married to her grandfather. Step-grandfather. She would be quick to correct me that it's her step grandfather, but I don't really give a fuck. I still call my dad's ex wife my stepmom, even though they're not married anymore. It doesn't, it's like once family, always family. You, you get me? Like it's just a little bit. And I know that we're, it's, yes. it's a punchline, but I also, it's like such a, dark situation i want them to know more like i want to know more but i also don't want to know anything exactly you you just hit the nail on the head with this it's like i find every time i learn a little bit more about her life it's fascinating yet very sad like i feel like everything don't you look at it it. through like your fingers you're just like i feel so uncomfortable but like i need to know because i'm messy deep down inside yes And then what's interesting to me is it doesn't even take that much Googling because she starts to say these things. She sets it up for you. So she's like, yeah, we have like six homes, but uh, no, I inherited them from my grandmother and no one stays in them when we're not there. (laughs) 
We should back up because, well, so we're going to talk broadly about the season because it just ended last week. They're about to start their, I I think it's a little egregious to have a three-part reunion, but they're going to have a reunion starting tomorrow. Um, So you'll be hearing this after the the first part of the reunions already aired. So I think it actually would be easiest if we just talked about each of the women Mm -hmm. because- I mean, we could do episode by episode, but I think it just sort of is easier that way. And that yeah. way we can like connect them a little bit more naturally. Do you want to do it in show uh, theme order? Sure. Or like, I feel like we've already started on the topic of Mary, so we could just start there because she also doesn't really have that much of an arc. No. Like she comes in hot yes. and then she is in her closet, not a metaphor, like literally, literally. in her closet literally. the whole time. And then shows up at the very end to say some very... I mean, then we finally see her church. She says some very strange things. Everything she says is strange, but it's strange. she's fascinating. Fascinating. And what's interesting, yeah, like you said, first three episodes, we ha- were set up to believe that the conflict between her and Jen is going to continue throughout this entire season, only for it to kind of just drop off. And the conflict that Jen has with other people is, you know, sprung from other things. But ultimately, yeah, she's there for three episodes. And then it's like, it becomes a, let's check in on Mary for about five minutes, for a five minute segment of this entire episode episode and see how she's doing in her closet and learn some other weird tidbit or fact about her church and her background and her relationship with her step-grandfather slash husband. And her housekeeper, that's her cousin that she doesn't really even know that well, even though she's been working for her for 20 years. I mean, okay. I just want to, you know, I'm going to start dark because I feel like even before Mary gets on the show, it starts dark, right? Because you hear about this grandpa husband. So I'm going to start dark too. Mary is rightfully pilled up. I'm sorry. I mean, like, (laughs) I'm not sorry. I just feel like there's like a little woozy disconnected from reality that's different than Jen's sort of like delusion with what the reality of her situation is. You know what I mean? Would 100% agree. I mean, there are times when we just see her and it, what she says, what she's doing, how she's dressed. There's just a lot going on there in which- How she is dressed, Emily. Yes. Uh, when she okay. mentioned going to Dillard's with her grandmother <laughs> as a young person or a young teenager or whatever, it just, everything started to make sense as to how she looks at clothes despite then spending thousands of dollars on them. Countess Luann of New York Housewives put it best, money cannot buy you class. And I'm not saying that she's not classy, but it definitely can't buy her taste either because her idea of taste is just 18 different designers. And because it's high end, it's it's supposed to be automatically good. She is truly a fashion victim and not, I mean, she did serve some looks, question mark, like her. Oh my God. I mean, I'm thinking. Her Met, her Met Ball gala luncheon okay those gloves that her madonna gloves i mean nothing ever makes sense we first meet her she's literally a loofah arguing with jen telling her that she smells like hospital hospital and what's interesting is i can probably pin down uh, a usually common variation of a mary crosby outfit it's some sort of a blazer a tool like dress that poofs out white tights very specific here, white tights, like, she, um, or even maybe even like a ballet pink tight, like she's going to ballet class. And then some weird shoe that kind of gives her some sort of weird, like preacher ticks, like, like Tinkerbell look. I don't know how else to describe it because like the tool, it reminds me, her dresses remind me of, remember prom in 2004 when we were all into like short tool dresses with like bias. Okay. Cut. That's what mm-hmm. it reminds me of, but thousands of dollars oh, more somebody- expensive. As somebody who went to uh, a homecoming dance her junior year in like basically what um what's her face Larissa Olenek wore in Ten Things Day About You like a tulle puffy skirt and like a little crop top situation yes I totally understand where you're coming from she she said the saddest thing well I think her fashion is two things first of all the way that she dresses sort of kind of makes sense as to like to understand like her, her thought process. Mm -hmm. She's very infantile. Like, and that's why I think that, you know, I don't want to get even darker, but like, that's why I think there is some sort of psychic abuse. And I'm not trying to even get into the weeds here, but mentally there is something not all the way right that 
uh, that I think she knows is there too, but actively tries to tamp down by, as she said, using clothes as armor, which I found to be really sad. Yes. Like armor from what? Like, and then she, she has so many fights with Jen and she has one from afar that really like ends up fucking over Jen. So I think that she is kind of like a Lisa Vanderpump in the making. And especially if you've looked up anything about her Pentecostal church slash cult, you know that she is like a master manipulator. So I'm not totally surprised. All of the tithing. Yeah. So I'm not totally surprised that she's able to like manipulate an entire trip and have it totally blow up, even though she didn't even go to Vegas. But let's let's go through Mary V. Jen, because there are there's three main arguments that spurred up. The first is this like party that Jen throws and she Jen accuses Mary of telling her that she smells like hospital and that's where they get into a big fight. Then I think at the luncheon they're fighting about Jen calling Mary at a different party um a grandpa. She says MFR, but I don't she called her a grandpa fucker. Like you fuck your grandpa. Like it's very easy. And, and I then, also have a lot of problems believing that she's never heard someone say that about her before. You've been married to this. You're you've been married to your fucking grandpa for how long? You've heard this before. Please give me a break. Right. And then I think Mary's rebuttal is like that. Uh, she, or she calls something ghetto about either uh, some, uh, is it Jen? About like, Jen. About yes, Jen. Yes. And then she also talks about how she's scared of going to 7-Eleven to yes. have like black people outside or something, even though Mary no, she, is black. black. Yeah. And then the third thing, the third little bomb she drops is, um, oh, you know, uh, she tells Whitney, who was very sweet and gullible, um, I heard that Lisa and Meredith, the brunettes who look alike, are scared of Jen. And then Whitney stupidly brings that back and it creates pretty much the back arc of the yeah. of the rest of the episodes, oddly enough. Yeah. And I've heard that we don't we only got Mary like in her closet because she got to she was only supposed to be or only became like friend of, but then in the editing bay they were like, oh my God, she's fascinated. We need more of her, but they didn't have enough. So they just used what they had. But I thought it was fun to see her in the finale, like in her church, being a complete asshole to everybody, calling someone fat, telling someone they need to like drink more water, telling somebody that they are not a good singer. Like uh, she was ruthless. It felt like a deranged acapella group leader. And I can speak to that as I was in college acapella groups. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And then she goes to this beauty lab opening party and... She just, like, doesn't understand that she's going to an oxygen. I just can't. This woman is clearly not mm-hmm. on planet Earth. And I love it. But also when you get, when you just get barely, like, past pleasantries, you're like, oh, no, this yeah. is, I got to turn back. This is all bad. But th- all that being said, I do need her to come back for season two here. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. Do we want to get Any, into Jen at this point? Yeah, let's get into Jen since we mentioned her. I wanted to love Jen so much before the show started. Me too. And it's one of those things where you're just like, it was so much better in my head. And I kept justifying, justifying until she brought back up the fight in Vegas. I was totally on her side. And then when she, once she did that, I was like, I'm fucking over this. Like, you, why are you bringing this back up? Like, start a new problem. Well, and you know, I've talked about this, you know apologies were made like people apologize and then she said like Whitney apologizes she accepts the apology and then brings it back up again and it's like what you said like you have to if you say you accept an apology you accept an apology you can't just like accept it and then you know two hours later be arguing about it again and and saying that you don't accept it like it that's not how this works and she's also trying to assign so much blame to Whitney yes. in this issue. She's a drunk so baby. The- we, you know, she's very pretty hair and she's sweet, but she's just, you know, she she just says dumb things when she's drunk. Um, Emily, I'm a very sexy baby. Like that's every time I see Whitney, that's all I hear. But we should back up. So, yes, um, yes. at so. Uh, Jen is married to a man named Coach Shaw. Well, <laughs> that's I mean his name's Sharif, but everybody calls him Coach Shaw because he is a recruiter for a college football team in Utah, and he's gone a lot. And Jen has described their marriage as a quote FaceTime marriage, which I don't think is a thing. So, she, so she has told everybody multiple times that she's very lonely. Her kids are grown. She is all by herself. She has nine assistants to keep her company. It's the not Shaw enough. Squad. 
which is, I mean, truly it's, it's Sonia on New York has like a million interns or whatever, but she really does need the help um with jen i'm really sort of struggling to understand I still don't know what's like still sweetie, what is going on here still what is know. going on and we hear that she owns multiple businesses like she owns some salons she owns other things throughout salt lake city but we don't go into too much detail i think apart from maybe like one episode so yeah it is very unclear as to what the rest of like beyond the first three, what the rest of them are doing. Like they're almost like alternates. It sometimes it feels like in case one breaks a leg or something. It's truly bizarre. And to have her tag at the end of the season be, oh, (laughs) Jen now has a ninth assistant. I'm like, no, stop. That's go to therapy. Like don't get more assistance. This isn't working for you. But Jen has a wonderful hair trigger. And so she immediately gets into shit with Mary, very first episode. And so you, you, I just feel like in a lot of ways, like what about Jen's behavior would ever tell you that she would receive news well, sober or drunk? Like you just got to pick your moment, I think. So the moment wouldn't be when Jen is throwing a surprise birthday party for her husband that she never sees or gets to spend time with. That would not be your moment. No. But because Whitney was convinced by a QAnon supporter that it would be a good idea to tell her that because she's, quote, more calm with her husband around, which I'm like, the logic, the holes in this very sexy baby logic is just so beyond the pale. But anyway, Whitney tells Jen at her husband's party, which I I love how like local gossipy this sounds just like, (laughs) this is what I heard, (laughs) Uh, tells her that Mary said, Meredith and Lisa are scared of her, which leads Jen to throw a glass and throw a fit and leave her husband's party prematurely that causes a rift between her and her husband, which that's a whole other separate issue. Like the fact that he didn't talk to her for four days was, I mean, I understand not revisiting the topic, but not right. coming home, not answering her calls. That's, like what the fuck is that? That's really uncalled for. And that I think that's really the sad thing about all this is like this woman you know, thing has happened. She overreacts. She holds grudges about things. She does. She accepts apologies only to not accept them later. But really what is, you know, the deep seated thing here is that she is clearly very lonely and clearly she and her husband need to be doing um, some counseling or something like that. Um, because, you know, everything is an overreaction at this point. Like she overreacts and then he counteracts by overreacting as well. Yeah, I mean, I got to say his motivational pep talks are not super helping much right now. So I'm going to need him to travel less and, you know, I don't know, go to her dad's fucking funeral. Jesus, like that is another thing. I could not believe that. That for me, I just, you, no. (laughs) So for all of these reasons, Jen has a lot of pent up anger, but she decided to take it out on a sexy baby who told her this, I would say at the wrong time, I would say that Jen would react that exact same way, regardless of when she told her, but it was just a bad time to tell her. And so she tries to prolong this argument by saying, well, it is your fault I threw the, the glass and you caused this problem in my marriage. And that's sort of where I have to say, you gotta quit. But really, I fully think I turned on her when they're on this Vegas trip, which again, typically the housewives go on these end of season trips to a much more lavish location. But I don't know, the budget just wasn't there. And so yeah. they just went to Vegas, where upon checking into their hotel the concierge like read them a poem i was like this is i don't even know what like this i don't i would leave i don't want to hear your poetry I just it was lay down. It, it looked it made it feel like the beanie baby poems were like edgar Allan poe in comparison it was wild to say the least the absolute least but when they're in vegas i turned on jen when she raised her hand when that psychic asked when when that psychic who i mean by the way might as well just be like hire them as a producer stirred the pot by asking people to raise their hands if they didn't trust someone and she like went down the line of all the housewives and when it came to heather this fucking bitch raises her goddamn hand when heather has done nothing loyal loyal loyal, and i mean has taken it like trying to i mean trying to help her out of that 1920s party where she is absolutely needs to be taken out of there I mean, come on now. She's been nothing but a good friend nothing to you. I mean, the 
audacity to be like, I'm Jen and I'm a really good friend too because like I've like arranged this personal shopping experience where Heather has to pay for everything or like you're not getting her one thing. I'm not saying that it's not nice. I'm just saying that like it's only a fun surprise if you also like buy me a pair of shoes or else like I'm just going shopping and I could literally do this anytime. Would 100% agree. Heather has always been on her side through thick and thin. If Heather were a character in the Fast and Furious franchise, she would be great because hashtag loyalty. Like this girl, this woman has stuck with her through it all. And I got to hand it to Heather. It made, it broke my heart to see her be treated like that by Jen. Do you want to move over to Heather so you Our can girl. make more Fast and Yes. Fast and Furious references. Yes, I <laughs> hashtag hashtag Roman Tage, Never forget. <laughs> yes, yes. She's. I mean, we, you and I have texted, talked on the phone ad nauseum about how much we love Heather and just we like her because she's honest. She doesn't try to cover up shit. She knows that she's on a reality show, so she's not going to lie about saying something. Um, unlike Jen, like that's the other thing about Jen that just to bring it back to Jen for one last thing is like Jen will claim that she didn't say something, and it's like this is a Bravo reality TV show. There are receipts from previous episodes which you will revisit during the three-part reunion show that you will be doing, or, or even within the same episode because these Bravo editors, man, they really are. Can we give them a Peabody? Like some of them are truly mm-hmm. just a cut up bub. But sometimes you'll get reminded mid episode when she's like, "I never said that," and they'll immediately roll the yes. tape and like they'll yes. fucking get your ass every fucking yes. time. But I mean, that's sort of like I don't know low grade narcissism to to not to be on a reality show and think that someone's not going to roll the tape on your ass unless you genuinely do not remember. I mean, she said that shit about Meredith Stone Cold Sober and then kept trying to deny it until she was finally like, well, I may have said something. And there is no apology that is more fucking annoying and pointless than somebody who tries to be like, I'm sorry, but you have to see. It's just like, I want to fucking hear it. Just be sorry and be done. And this is why we think that the woman, the hypnotist or whatever she is, she should be what I think I call, I, I, I noted to you as an apology coordinator like bravo yes. should hire her and whenever a housewife makes an apology she is on set to make sure it is not a i'm sorry i made you feel that way or i'm sorry right. you i just feel that way it really was an amazing like top 20 reality tv moment of her just being like no and then try it again without the butt okay and then without the and okay one more time okay take it again uh okay all right we we've run out of time but you almost you're basically there i mean to coach like a grown woman with two grown kids like how to apologize is wild i i like i want to like jen like and i know some people thought that she was really way too stilted and and or not stilted um too like practiced in the art of housewifery because i mean the franchise has been going for 15 years now so you can really study it. And I think that this is also like a problem that plagues The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, which we can talk about later, that the show has been on so long that it's very easy to figure it out and then just play a character or a part or whatever to get whatever you want and not get, you know, the person that's there for the right reason, so to speak. Yeah. But I didn't really feel like Jen was pretending or was even trying to like act like a housewife. I think that she normally is like this, but once the camera's I feel like the cameras to her are like a validation. So she turns it up to like an 11. I'll, Mirror, I mean, yeah. that's, that's the closest I'll say. Yeah. Or even just like, this is what they want. I mean, she even just like fucked up a camera because she splashed water. But also that's on production too. It's like, you've seen this bitch throw no less than three glasses in, yes. in her first season. Like shit is unheard of. So you did you really think you'd be safe in water? And also, I mean, I know Jen's bougie, but like, the day spa that they went to, I don't know. I'd like to be in a tub outside in like a mountain. Look kind of yes. nice. It's not I mean, at this point. Great. Yeah. I'll take anything. 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 Please, anything. Please let us oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. But but back to Heather. I mean, she we I just I have no choice but to stand. She is great, loyal, wonderful. We are so I'm so happy to see her become this independent woman with her business and not be her husband just looks and sounds like the fucking worst or ex-husband. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Looks and oh, sounds I like forget. the fucking worst. Like, I can't oh, even I tell you what was, he looks like. I think it was Leslie Grossman on Bitch Sesh that said, like, when somebody asked her, what do you think about how there is ex-husband? She's like, he's a needle dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've never heard a more apt description of someone i mean like he wears sketchers unironically so i feel like that's all you need to hear and he just looks i don't know he i don't even get like how they even had a connection to begin with and i know that you know for her in retrospect it was never like a love marriage and that's sort of what she's been coming to terms with and anyway i love heather i think she's great I wouldn't say she's my number one. She's like 1.5 because I have a new queen. We'll we'll get to her. Um, <laughs> but I do I would love say Heather. Heather is my one. Um, I also would say that I think Heather gives us probably the closest view to the LDS life in the Salt Lake City franchise. Like there are other women in there that are Mormons. Like Whitney definitely talks to it to an extent, and I think Lisa does as well. But I think that I would Heather with, would give us the with Whitney. Yes. Um, it was more framed through like what she's lost. I would yes. say it's not. Yes. Ne- I would say between her father's addiction and then her like affair marriage or whatever, which is not a diss on her marriage because I think she has a great marriage from yeah. what we've seen. But like because she had an affair, they left the church, yada yada. But I would think it's more from like a place of loss. Whereas Lisa who I love. She's my number one. I'm sorry. It's just like in the last couple of episodes, she just makes me laugh. I mean, quite frankly, I also just love that she was bold enough to be like, yeah, work comes first. And like, then maybe the kids are number two. And then I guess my marriage, I just like, I love how honest and like, she doesn't, she also thinks that she's perfect. I just love that. She's the confidence of a mediocre white man. Like she is that she's I just, fantastic. She really makes me laugh. I just think that her being like, I love that. I love that. And I I can't stop quoting her. I've just been saying to my husband, like, you know that we got together because of a core love of God and a core love of Jesus. Because she's also like a New Yorker and she loves yeah. to wear black all the time. And I, a woman who loves to chug a Diet Coke is definitely like a woman I will be friends with. So she just, tr- she really makes me laugh. But I, what I've what really turned the corner for me? Because at first I was like, I don't know if I can do this with you. Because she's like, Jesus doesn't care if I have a tequila brand. I'm like, I mean, I guess. But it was really <laughs> when she said, in my life, number one is work and then maybe my kids and I guess my marriage. Because I just feel like everybody's always trying to be like, my kids are number one. Or like, I love my husband. He's my best friend. So I love a bitch that's just like, no, I fucking love my job and I'm really good at it. So that's well- number one. And I just, I appreciate that she's unapologetic about this and also that her kids seem to be doing great. And like, she feeds them Taco Bell and stuff all the time and they seem yeah, perfectly that's a little, happy. That's totally, it's <laughs> a little tough on me. Like, just like, well, that's tough. But um, yes, her kids seem well-adjusted. Her husband's very nice. I mean, you've yeah. got to marry somebody who's nice like that. If you have a personality like hers, you yes. can say that from experience. Um <laughs> I also just love her. He's like trying to talk to her and she's like always on her phone. I'm like, yeah, it's a hard relate for me over here too. So yeah, Lisa, I love Lisa. I also thought that she really kind of had like a nice uh, last act turn towards the end where I, I also, I feel agree. like she's very upfront. And so I really like, I, I think what I like about her is what I like about Heather. They're both very upfront. Yes. What you see is what you get. They're very blunt. That's why when they weren't getting along in the beginning, I was like, you guys need to figure this out because you guys are kind of the same. You're, you're different ends of the same spectrum essentially but they're very they're good friends like when meredith tells lisa that her and her husband are separated and she starts crying and it's because she's like so sad for her friend like she seems like a nice person and and same with heather very empathetic like very you know involved moms and small business owners you know i just feel like 
they're really fun. I just really like that, you know, Lisa kind of goes above and beyond that. But she also was very upfront with Jen. And I think that Jen can respect that. And that's the reason why they have any sort of relationship. But Lisa is also the kind of person, unlike Heather, will be like, I'm not going to fucking take your shit and we'll actually leave. Versus Heather, who's like, oh, I don't cut anybody off. Which, like, I do appreciate that about her, but I also worry about I worry about that for her as well. Yeah, I mean, I hope for Heather that as this uh, franchise continues to progress, that that is something that changes. And I just hope for her that that changes in terms of her friendships and also that, you know, she's able to find love and relationship in her life that doesn't echo what happened with her husband, which seems to evoke, you know, why she is the way she is. Um, no, I would 100% agree. And I think, like you said, very nicely, Lisa gets that kind of not a redemption arc at the beginning, at the end, but definitely I found myself really liking her. And while Heather is still my favorite, I would probably put Lisa, I don't know, I love Meredith a lot too, because I just felt for Meredith. Um, and she's someone that I grew to enjoy more and more throughout the season too. I really, you know, I really liked Meredith at the beginning, but I'm sorry. The number one fucking rule of being a goddamn housewife is you have to fucking engage. Like, I don't give a shit that you have fucking boundaries. Good for you. Go have boundaries not on this show. I don't give a shit. It's not interesting to me to watch you walk away. We all have fucking divorced parents who argued and don't like to be in the middle of an argument. But guess what? You signed up to be on this show. And so if it was just for your fucking stupid ass son to launch his shitty ass tracksuit line, then let him be a fucking housewife and let him engage. But I am fuck. I've had it. Like, I enjoy I enjoyed it the first time. But when she kept doing it, I was like, "You, this isn't your this is literally your whole job. Your whole job is to engage. It is not to watch your dog take a shit all over your rented crappy chalet. I like don't want to watch this. This is not the fantasy for me. I think what you bring up. Oh, go ahead. And I was just going to say, I really couldn't give two shits if you stay together or get divorced from this guy whose teeth are too big for his mouth. So that's all I have to say. Because if the decision was like, oh, I have to move to Canton, Ohio. Yes, I would get a divorce. I don't really care. I know. I mean, you bring up a valid point that I'm still relatively new to the housewife franchise. And so therefore, I still see these people as real human beings and not in the under the angle of you've been hired to do something now do it. Um, I still see her as like, Oh, that's great. She's practicing her boundaries. Like our therapist would be so proud. (laughs) You can't I'm sorry, you can still engage and have boundaries. But you can't what I am what I am upset about is like the same thing that I get upset about with any reality star whose whole job is to engage in a conversation, a discourse, whatever, an argument with their castmates and not get up and walk away. So getting up and walking away to me is uh, I it, it's a fucking sin. You can't do that. You have to fucking sit there and deal with it, whatever it is. You can't just run away like you do from your marriage, you know, like that might work for you and Buck Teeth, Bugs Bunny that you cut up bananas for like he's a goddamn child, which like ill gross. And you can't also then inflict your fucking son on everybody and then expect no one to have like an opinion about him. You let him be on camera and it's very clear that he quit college to come be on camera. So you have to also deal with the good and the bad. You can't just like take the good and then complain about the bad. Like this is absolute bullshit. So Meredith kind of lost me there at the end. I think she's wonderful to look at, but I don't like her personality that much. (laughs) It'll be interesting to see in the second season what her conflict looks like if her marriage is in good shape. She's like, I don't think she'll have a plot point. Is if that I have a prediction. I think it's going to be Meredith and Heather v. Jen and Lisa. And then oh. I don't know where Mary and Whitney fit in. Maybe Mary and Whitney. I think Mary and Whitney would be good, um, like a, a good Greek chorus, because we always yeah. need that sort of perspective on the show. And I think Whitney was very funny in her testimonials, even though, my God, those eyebrows. I don't mm. know who did her makeup, but oh it my was God. distracting. Well, like and she, like- blacked, she blocked out her eyebrows and then drew them on so yes. far up her yes. forehead. Well, it's 50-50. So like the beginning of the season and her testimonials, she just, you know, she had her short hair. She looked great, whatever. And then like towards the mid-season and the end, half of the testimonials, she's wearing this ridiculous ball gown of some sort and her crazy penciled in eyebrows where she just like looks like, I don't know what. But yeah, there is this weird disconnect that all of a sudden she kind of starts to look like a drag queen in her testimonials. And I'm like... I don't know. I mean, you're the youngest out of everybody. So you, and yet you are here, you are wearing the most makeup out of everyone. And that is saying a lot in a crowd of a lot of Botox. Yeah. It, yeah, it it felt not great because also to see her in the show, 
look beautiful, you know, just yes. doing her pole, her pole dance work. Yes. Um, it was it was so jarring to then cut to that te- like that red testimonial dress look that you were just talking about and just all I'm watching are her eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Although I did think it was really funny when she made fun of Meredith by putting on two surgical masks over her face. That was probably yes. the easiest time <laughs> to look at that look because it was blocking out her very upsetting eyebrows. But I will say I will give Jen props for openly discussing her depression and taking meds and how she wants to de- destigmatize that because I can't I can't commend Whitney for being open about her dad's addiction if I'm not going to give Jen props because I, I wouldn't say that they're the same thing. I'm just saying that they're both very difficult topics that yes. people need to actively destigmatize. So I appreciate both of them for these not equal, but like separate, similar-ish reasons. So I thought that Whitney's story arc was interesting with her dad. Hopefully that's, it's all getting better. I think, you know, some of the, I think if you have a tough relationship with either of your parents, it can, there are parts of it that were very relatable. And I really, this was a part where I thought that she exercised boundaries really well. Like when she had to drive to that rehab and basically say, if you leave rehab early, I am not giving you any more help. I am tapped out of money. So watching her set that boundary was very reaffirming, but I thought the whole family drama, sometimes I don't really love it, but I found it to be very interesting, mostly just because it was very honest. So, and I appreciate getting that kind of like glimpse into our life. But other than that, our very sexy baby mostly just like stirred the pot poorly. So I wonder if she'll keep doing that next season. I do like your predictions with pairings because, you know, even in the final episode, we're seeing Mary and Whitney kind of hanging out at the opening party for Heather. Um, so it does kind of set things up very nicely to uh, to lead into the predictions of what you have for season two. Yeah. I don't know. There was something about Mary and Whitney's dynamic is like, Whitney is very much like the older cousin who's like, all right, no one wants to hang out with this cousin. I guess I'll fucking do it. I don't yes. know. There's something about, I I, see and that. I'm not saying that it's like malicious, but that's, that's the vibe I get. And like, I texted you during the finale. I, in watching Mary interact with Whitney, I was like, this woman's never had one friend in her whole life. No. And that's very sad. But also, I mean, the way that she treated her choir, it's like, oh, maybe you push people away too sometimes. Like everything with Mary, it's part funny and then part sad. You're like, haha, uh, she's basically that like that drama face where it's like laughing and crying at the same time. That's Mary. Yeah, I would 100% agree. <laughs> so uh, this being your first season of Housewives, thought like overall thoughts? Really enjoyed it. Had a lot of fun. Honestly, right now, it was exactly what I needed in terms of a TV fix. I want to go into another like serial drama prestige TV show that I still I haven't seen at one point. But really, I think I needed something like this that's throwaway and much how we like to talk about play movies on this show. This is a uh, cell phone. This is like a phone show where you know, you can just be on your phone not pay attention half the time because they keep recapping everything. So you're never going to miss anything except for maybe like a funny outfit. That's about it. So I really enjoyed it. Can't wait for the reunion and second season. And I think I'm going to dive into Potomac next. So that's me. Yay. Great. Well, you want to briefly talk about The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, not the fantasy, the other end of the spectrum, because Housewives was filmed in 2019. So we didn't have to deal with any sort of pandemic creeping in. And then this year, we got nothing but hot quarantine talk over both franchises because we got Bachelorette over the summer and then we are now with The Bachelor in the middle of Pennsylvania. Bored to I, fucking tears. Bored to fucking tears. And just every episode, it's just another, okay, who's going to be the mean girl now that XYZ left? Like, that is really what it's feeling like with the producers. It's like, it is like pulling teeth out of this nurdle wearing guy uh, who just like has no personality. Um, And so really the producers have just decided to tilt over to the contestants and try to find the one who's going to bring the most chaotic mean girl energy for that week. And sadly, now that, well, not sadly, Victoria is gone. (laughs) They tried to make Serena, I don't remember which of the initials, uh, the mean girl yesterday. And it just it just didn't work. I mean, it was like creating conflict for no reason. It almost felt like she had been given $10 to just go do this, like go see a Star Wars and cause cause some drama. Like, <laughs> other than that, though, I mean, it's just been boring. I will say my one takeaway, though, is from the follow-up to 
The Bachelorette last year. I will say, like, I've grown to really like uh, Tasha and oh god, what's his name that she ended up Zach. with? Zach. Zach. Honestly, like, apart from the weird New York references throughout that show, which is just like, Ey. oh my god, it's it's nobody's <laughs> fault. I mean, honestly, oh my god. the the Bachelor going on right now is making me nostalgic for the claustrophobia of the La Quinta Inn. Yeah, I really miss how deranged it was and yes. how absolute like slapstick oh my and it was so i've much seen sweat. kindergarten teachers do more than what they did at the it was so disrespectful to both women to claire and to yes. tasha yes but i i mean at least i mean i feel like the bachelorette gave us a lot of drama i mean i don't and i'm not talking about the bachelorette switch i mean even off camera we had that dale claire split like that was I mean, it's still ongoing. Like, I can't wait for more of that because, I mean, Claire, whatever you're doing, it's not working, sweetie. And Mm-mm. Dale, it is also still not working. Um, but at least Tasha and Zach got, like, their happy ending. And that was very cute. But, yeah. <laughs> so, especially when you think about the episode that just aired of The Bachelor where they had a, an actual full-blown carnival to yes. Tasha's Bachelorette season. And it was, like the jankiest like ring toss like barely oh, a ring toss my god and ever i mean everybody's so i mean they're in palm springs in like august which is the absolute worst just, time I'm to ever be there ivan's quote-unquote hometown just the sweat everybody is so sweaty and i just feel bad for everyone i feel bad because his father was already immunocompromised and took this risk to come here only to find out that Tasha's not going to pick him because, oh, he's agnostic. So uh, he doesn't have enough God in his life for her to choose him. But yeah, I mean, there's just sweating these dates. Like I just keep going back to Zach's fake New York dates where they're going to like a bagel cart and a cardboard taxi. And it's just, <laughs> it just feels like I'm watching a like second grade production of Home Alone 2 Lost in New York, the play a little bit. Or if you're me and we're in film school in 2008, like a shitty Michel Gondry, like student film, you're like, what is going on? You need to start over. <laughs> But at least that had a happy ending. I highly doubt Matt's going to propose to fucking anybody. This dude has no idea what he wants, what he's doing. He constantly looks confused. And look, I I don't do extracurricular when it comes to the Bachelor universe. Like, I'm sure I could listen to him on a podcast or read an interview, and I don't fucking do any of that. I am just taking in what the show gives me. And what the show is giving me is an extremely bland, boring person. And I know because he's the first black Bachelor They are trying to probably edit him into what they think middle America white Christians want to see in here. So I'm sure he's possibly, well, I'm not sure. I'm sure maybe in his real life, he's slightly deeper than he presents himself on the show. But what we're getting on the show right now is just the most interesting parts come when he, when it's like the bloopers at the end, like him doing karate. Like, why are you telling us that you do karate? Like. That During was, the regular course of a date, like I don't care, give me anything. I feel like I know. I feel like I know. was more exciting than that entire episode. Those nine. I seconds. genuinely feel like I know less about him now than when we started because I've forgotten all of the stuff that he told us yes. at the beginning. So I'm like, yes. Who the fuck are you, and what do you want? All I know you want out of a relationship is someone you can have fun with. That's really easy. You can have fun with lots of people. Don't you have friends? Like you need to be looking for something slightly more. I just don't even get the impression, regardless of regardless of what they edit out. I just don't get the impression that this man cares about having a a real long term relationship that results in marriage. I just don't believe him. He does not. The turtleneck he chooses to wear every episode because there's a new one every week has more personality than he does on the on camera. And quite frankly, like after I just don't really find myself rooting for anyone anymore. Like anyone I kind of remotely thought, oh, they were great. Like they've left in most cases because in reality, they're probably too good for him. Like Maggie, for example, I she left. and I was like, well, you're way too good for him anyway. Um, And uh, yeah, now I'm just kind of like I couldn't tell you like which one of the girls still left has well, enough stopped- of a person. Oh, go ahead. I. I- I totally agree. I just feel like even when he was like, oh, yeah, to a 21-year-old being like, oh, yeah, I could see myself with you. As a 
man who's almost 30, like, you feel like you can see yourself with a 21-year-old? Are you out of your fucking mind, bro? Like, you need to, again, go back to the drawing board the way that the producers from The Bachelorette season need to go back to the drawing board about those fucking cardboard taxis that they used. Speaking of drawing board, Heather, our new addition to the mix. Oh, Emily, you saw in the group chat, I fucking can't with this bitch. I don't know. for this nobody fucking wants this annoying virgin here and there's nothing wrong with being a virgin she's just fucking annoying and watching her cram her nasty ass foot into her nasty ass shoe last night i was like ew who anytime they cut back to her quarantine which was what 48 hours at fucking best just stop all of it needs to stop these are shenanigans their producer contrived shenanigans and it's what's so annoying is in the Bachelorette season, we actually, I understood that it was like more boring or whatever, but it was nicer to have these conversations that actually felt like Tasha was getting to know somebody yes. versus the, the producer shit that's been going on this whole time. Because now I, look, we still have too many fucking people. I still don't really, you don't even know which Serena is which. Like, no. We have too many people. Stop adding. Now subtract. Just no. subtract. Ugh. What are we doing? I don't know. Let them be boring. Let them talk about karate. Like, give me some sense of literally anything. Because like you said, the women that we do like are dropping like flies. And I mean, who cares about Rachel the racist? And who else could be our top? Three seems seems nice. Three seems nice. We figured out she works at Facebook, by the way, people. For those of you. like, Oh, is it Facebook? Yeah. yeah, Okay. I I thought it was Twitter. Some some detective work. She seems very nice. Like, we support a Bay Area gal, etc. But, like, I guess we're rooting for her. But also, I feel like we haven't gotten, like, a date or whatever with no. her in so long. Again, I've forgotten her story. I remember it being sad and, like, her mom being young and then yeah. having a new family. Oh, yeah. But even then, again, we're not at the point where we start to actually care about any of them because they keep adding fucking new bitches, which I'm – that girl, Ryan, who was crying last night, I was like, who are you? You were there for two cups of coffee, I think. Like, you cannot be attached to this man. Why? I mean, clearly there's – you're upset about bigger things besides whatever's – wrapped up in handsome Squidward over here because it can't be this man. It can't. Uh, it cannot. Really, I, I'm i just looking forward to seeing, you know, Bachelorette um, and Paradise. Actually, what I am looking the most forward to, I think, is some of the characters we got out of this season that will be surely making the their last, way to The Paradise. last two seasons, too. Yes. And what's crazy oh my to God. me... Well, I guess because of travel, they can't really, like, go to Mexico or whatever. But what's wild to me is, like, why didn't they start with Bachelor in Paradise? It's just them trapped in a fucking hotel anyway. Right. It's basically the same fucking thing. And then you bring in people. I feel like Bachelor in Paradise would have been way easier to start shooting than Bachelorette or The Bachelor. But I will say aesthetic quality of date like the bachelor is slightly better although, like, driving four feet between entrances is very funny. Um (laughs) Because after all, they are just in a hotel. But at least it's nice to like be outside and like see some foliage because the desert was starting to feel very oppressive. Although, again, like I said, I am nostalgic for it. But it's more like the the naturally chaotic energy <laughs> that I miss versus like the produced version of chaos that's happening think- with Matt. I just remember texting you and being like, I wouldn't mind being, you know, in a home right now with like a hot tub and foliage and shit. And you were just like, so you mean you just would want to be in an Airbnb with friends? I'm like, yeah, that sounds kind of nice, actually. (laughs) You want a vacation, but yes, I I understand. But I don't even know how to describe what a vacation feels like anymore. (laughs) It's been 74 years. (laughs) Do we have any more Bachelor thoughts? Because The Bachelor's still going. Obviously, we're going to watch it. It's new content, and it takes us outside of our lives. And unlike other reality shows, because they're bubbling, we don't need to worry about, like, oh, God, like, there's no PPE, or, like, they're only wearing a shield poorly. So it's nice to be able to just turn it on and be like, whatever. Yeah. So I'll give it that. And also, you know, I enjoy our group thread. And, of course, the, you know, the first five minutes of The Good Doctor that we get to watch (laughs) that we always get to watch. I think my final thought is just like Victoria, my God, what, what energy, like I talk about a producer plant. That's, that's all I have to say about that. Or she's just straight up a fucking producer. Like I told our therapist. (laughs) (laughs) I can't can't wait to talk to her about that. (laughs) 
we had ended the session and then she had asked me what I thought about Victoria. And I told her that I thought that if Victoria wasn't like a producer plant, so to speak, she is like a producer because the way that she was, she has no job title, the way that she was generating drama. I mean, I loved her monologues to poor PAs oh who were God. just like, I just was trying to get people water. And now this girl is having like an emotional breakdown in front of me. Anyway, uh, she sucks because she's a Trump supporter and seems like an asshole. But I don't know. She was very entertaining. And now that she's gone, there is a void. But Matt clearly had zero attraction to her. So he kept her on longer than he should have, I'm sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to have another mini next week because we both watched, to probably nobody's surprise, the Framing Britney Spears doc, which we had kind of already talked a little bit about the beginning of the end of Britney's conservatorship or hashtag free Britney in one of our very, very early episodes in 2019. We had just started to talk about it, but this doc has some new information, some old information that we had forgotten about, and we're going to talk about the whole thing next week. So if you haven't seen it, we both highly, highly recommend yes. watching Framing Britney. It's on Hulu, and if you have FX, it's probably on FX On Demand. It's a, it's an hour? Over an hour? Yeah, yeah, a little bit over an hour, but uh, yeah. And for those of you who are Britney experts like us, like you probably know a lot of this, but it's really well done. And of course, Fee was one of the main subjects who's interviewed. And as we all know, with Fee involved, it just feels all that more legitimate. So watch Framing Britney. Give Real Housewives of Salt Lake City a chance. Watch The Bachelor, I guess. (laughs) So, But if you don't want to watch... Uh, season of The Bachelor that's current, currently airing. I am reading a book right now called One to Watch, about halfway through. Um, it's based on, loosely based on like a Bachelor type reality competition dating show, but it has a plus size woman as the protagonist. And it's very funny. It's very sweet. Highly recommend One to Watch. Emily, besides Framing Britney, Salt Lake City, and a tepid <laughs> review of The Bachelor, what are your recommendations? Well, this is a little more serious, but I'm really enjoying Intimations by Zadie Smith. Um, it's kind of more of an essay or a novella, um, pretty short read. I'm reading it for a book club right now, and I believe the proceeds go to uh, from the book go to some nonprofits. I'd have to check which ones, but it's a quick read, but really interesting. It's kind of essays on you know what's going on with the pandemic and kind of our state of mind. So it's a little more serious, um, but... Short enough read so you don't feel like you're reading about the pandemic for hours on end. Great. Well, thank you so much for listening and going on this little check-in journey with us. We'll have another episode next week, and we're really excited to launch our new season March 18th. So make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast wherever you listen to us, whether it be Spotify or iTunes. And the list goes on. You can find us. Um, And if you want to stay on top of everything else that we're doing, we highly recommend that you follow us on Instagram at the old millennials pod or on Facebook at the old millennials pod. Also, it'd be great if you could, if you could leave us a review, uh, five stars only. We are not accepting anything lower than five stars currently because you know what? Who needs that? If if it's lower than five stars, then don't leave a review. No one asks. Come to us. Uh, I, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, please do not. Uh, <laughs> I can't really handle any more negative no, feedback right no, now. No, no. So you would have to wait until like possibly April if you have some really um, salient critiques that you want to lob our way. You can also follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Mark She Wrote. And I'm at Emily A. Bajan. And until next time, we bid you a bye bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.